In the wake of COVID-19 lockdowns, travel restrictions, global economic and cultural turmoil, and increasing hostility toward Christianity, it might be easy for the average Christian to take a defensive posture and forget that the Church of Jesus Christ has been given a great commission to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. We should ask ourselves, where is our theology taking us? Our Savior, now ruling in the midst of his enemies, said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Therefore, true churches of Jesus Christ should at all times devote themselves to the cause of advancing his kingdom through missions and church planting. But how should these things be done? We stand amidst the wreckage of a century full of the spread of evangelical pragmatism and false doctrines which were often championed by armies of churchless pioneer missionaries and parachurch organizations. As a Reformed Baptist, we desire to return to simple obedience to Jesus Christ in the Word of God. Christians must seek to accomplish the Great Commission in the way that He commanded. Local churches must lead the way. We hope you can join us for the first annual Covenant Conference in Louisville, Kentucky, taking place on March 17th through the 19th, 2022. We will hear from Paul Washer, Tom Nettles, Sam Waldron, and John Miller, who will encourage us both to think biblically about the practice of missions and church planning and to commit ourselves afresh to these vital responsibilities given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. To learn more or register today, visit covcon.org. That's covcon.org. You are listening to Preaching and Teaching on the Man of God Network of Podcasts. This resource combines expositional sermons and lectures from the classroom of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary to help equip listeners for the work of the ministry. What we're going to do is really follow the, the course of the book, From Shadow to Substance, if you've already read it or taken a look at it. And if you recall, the book really begins with Paedo-Baptist covenant theology. When I was first working on my dissertation, I really wanted to hyper-focus on the particular Baptists and not get into all of the, the discussions around them. But it became impossible not to do that. It became impossible to just deal with the particular Baptists because they came from something, they came from somewhere, and they engage with all sorts of other sources. And so it was inevitable, there was no way to get around it, that I had to engage uh, the Paedo-Baptist sources and the history behind them. Because if the particular Baptists appear in the 1630s and 40s, well, covenant theology had been around quite a long time before that. And so it would be responsible and necessary for us to look at the, the tradition of covenant theology that preceded the particular Baptists and really that led to, in certain ways, the particular Baptists themselves. And so the way that I see things planned out for today, although it's been difficult to know how long each lecture would be or how much time it would fill, I'm thinking that today our first three lectures will deal with Paedo-Baptist covenant theology, and then we'll get into the Baptist uh, origins and history, and then into the Baptists themselves, and probably finish today with the first London Confession. And we're going to reorganize a little bit some of the, the material from the book into the lecture form. So we're going to deal with more Paedo-Baptist covenant theology in the beginning than the book itself does. We'll take some of the Paedo-Baptist covenant theology from later in the book and bring it back to this portion uh, to, to get started. 
So I said that we would start out with something funny every day. So uh, here's, here's the first one. And you can uh, get an idea of the 17th century. So this person says, I come, to, I come to you, said the tobacconist, to know whether the doctor of the town lies or not. For they all say my lungs are wasted with excessive drinking tobacco, and I cannot live. But I feel no such matter. That sacred Indian weed is restorative to me. Tobacco is my heaven on earth. Tobacco is my breakfast, my banquet, my blessing. The scent of it so ravishes me, would I had taken tobacco in my mother's belly. <laughs> tobacco is to me an honor. For some nobleman's chimneys vent not out so much smoke as I do at my nostrils. <laughs> Yet my wife curses the inventor, rails at him, at me, and the poor innocent herb. So am I suggesting that you go smoke tobacco? No, but it's just something funny from, uh, from the 17th century. And, and notice that it talks about drinking tobacco, uh, because originally uh, most people were taking tobacco through a pipe. And the stem of the pipe, it's like, it's like a straw. And so the, the word that they used for smoking a pipe was drinking, drinking tobacco. Which, funny enough, many of you may be familiar with Ralph Erskine's Smoking Spiritualized, Thus Think and Smoke Tobacco. Well, the original refrain, because he was not the original author of that poem, the original refrain was, Thus Think and Drink Tobacco. It has an internal rhyme to it. Thus Think and Drink Tobacco. So here's your, there's your funny 17th century uh, introduction to say, hey, they, they laughed too, and we can laugh with them. So it, it would be fun to just go through all of them right now, but we have to, we have to pace ourselves and, and just go to, to one, one per lecture. So then, we're going to start out with a model, uh, a developing model of the unity and diversity of Reformed Covenant theology. So we want to look at the background of covenant theology in its tradition, its developing tradition, in order to understand the particular Baptist. So we're looking at unity and diversity in Reformed covenant theology. And we're asking questions such as these. Are there trends? Are there patterns? Are there arguments that we can trace that help us to understand why the particular Baptists emerged and where they came from? Uh, we want to ask questions such as, in those trends, in those patterns, why is it that certain theologians went certain ways? And in all of that, okay, if there is a diversity, is there also a unity? If there is a unity, is there also a diversity? Is there common ground? If so, what is that common ground? Why is it a common ground? How does that connect to the particular Baptists, etc.? So we want to understand the tradition of Reformed Covenant theology in both its unity and its diversity. And to some degree, this title is intentionally following after Woolsey's title, which his title is Unity and Continuity in Covenantal Thought. And as I read Andrew Woolsey's work and really enjoyed it and appreciated it, it, I felt that he had not given due attention to the diversity of the tradition. Now, that's, that's not really a criticism because if he's, show, if he's trying to show the unity and continuity, then that's what he's done. I just think that he didn't necessarily 
tip you off or make you aware that there is a diversity, but I'm not addressing it in this book. And so I wanted, in my overview of Reformed Covenant theology, to add a bit to understanding the diversity of the tradition. If you read the earlier Reformed sources, uh, like Bullinger and Calvin and Beza, which we'll talk about in just a moment, you're not going to find in those writers the sort of extensive, detailed, organized uh, covenant theologies that we've come to often associate with Reformed theology. They do discuss covenants. They do use them in, in many parts of their theology. So the covenant theology is very much present. But you won't see their covenant theologies as developed or systematized early on in comparison to what you would find in later writers. And so that's another part of what we're looking at is, okay, if it, if it starts small and then it, it becomes more complex, what accounts for that growth and how can we understand it? And what does that tell us about the particular Baptists? And so there's really uh, four things that we're going to, I think we can, we can build a model of unity diversity in four points, and we'll see that as we move through various authors in the 16th and 17th centuries. So let me just give you those four points, uh, which will help you to understand where we're going and help you to understand that as we go along. So the first one is we need to consider the law and the gospel as contrary doctrines. The law and the gospel as contrary doctrines. In my book, I talk about the law and the gospel dogmatically, dogmatically distinguished. That means as contrary dogma, as contrary teachings, as contrary doctrines. And then the second thing, and of course, this is just telling you what we're going to do, and then we'll get into it itself. The second thing is the law and the gospel... as successive time periods. And in the book, I talk about the law and the gospel historically distinguished or historically. And then we're going to see the law and the gospel as contrary covenants The law and the gospel as contrary covenants. And lastly, the law and the gospel as successive phases within one covenant. And so it will be my contention that if we trace the development of covenant theology in, reformed, in the Reformed tradition, you will see it begin here in the distinction between the law and the gospel as contrary doctrines, as well as from the beginning, uh, the, dis the distinction of the law and the gospel as successive time periods. This is where it begins. And then these two really develop and are, are applied within the, the, the following two. The law and the gospel are then developed into contrary covenants, and the law and the gospel as successive time periods are really developed as two phases within one covenant, within the gospel covenant. But we'll, we'll get to that as we move. This is just trying to account for 
what do we see in the earlier writers that connects to what we see in the later writers? Is there a continuity in that tradition? And Andrew Woolsey makes these arguments as well as others, and I agree with them, and I think that it can be fairly traced. Now, one thing to remember is this, this model of Reformed uh, theology as it, as it develops into covenant theology is responding against two, two opposing forces. And they're very important to understand why the Reformed speak so strongly about certain things. And on the one hand, these distinctions are, are used to combat Roman Catholicism, which would say that the law and the gospel are not contrary doctrines, but rather the, the, the gospel is a new form of the law. It is the same thing as the law, but now presented to us in an easier way that we are able to fulfill because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So the Roman Catholic doctrine that the law and the gospel are the same thing, but the, the gospel is a newer, easier fo <clears throat> form of the law, is universally rejected. That is basically the fundamental protest of the Protestant Reformation against Rome, We'll see that in Luther. And, and so this is really anti-Roman Catholic. I mean, obviously, it's biblical. It's what the scriptures teach, and that's where they're getting it from. But they express these things. They, they make it a point to say these are contrary doctrines so that they're opposing that which is Roman Catholic, the Roman Catholic dogma. Now, talking about the law and the gospel as successive time periods is, again, not just biblical, biblical for them, but they're in many ways responding to the extremes of Anabaptists. And the way in which they're responding to Anabaptists is that some Anabaptists would say that in the Old Testament, there was no salvation. In the Old Testament, there were only temporal blessings, only earthly blessings for Israel, uh, etc. And so the law and the gospel for the Anabaptists become not just time periods, but time periods within which there was the law, and then later there is the gospel in the second time period. And the Reformed are saying, no, 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 the law and the gospel are present in two historical phases before Christ and after Christ, the law and the gospel as time periods. And so these two are trying to preserve Reformed doctrine that on the one hand, the law commands and condemns the gospel promises and pardons, and these Two things, commands and promises, run throughout history, and the gospel is present throughout history. And of course, the particular Baptists affirm these things, and we do ourselves. But it's important to see uh, why they say what they say, and, and to whom are they responding as they formulate these doctrines. And again, we'll get to these things later on, but you'll see the law and the gospel develop into covenants, and the language remains consistent. So when the law and the gospel are, are covenants, they talk about the legal covenant and the evangelical covenant. In other words, the law covenant and the gospel covenant, and those become the covenant of works and the covenant of grace. Or the two successive phases of one covenant become the time of the law and the time of the gospel all within the covenant of grace, etc. So the, these all work together, they combine and they help us to, to give a model of the unity and diversity of the Reformed tradition. Now, I've asserted this, but I have not argued it. I've simply said it. That doesn't make it true. And so what we're going to do now is to look at the sources to see, does this model actually fit onto the data? Does this actually work? Or is it just something clever that I've made up? Uh, <laughs> I'm Irish, so you never know, you know. 
and I've actually kissed the Blarney Stone, so you can't trust anything I say. But, uh, so yes, now, now to prove it, now to prove the point. And so we're, we're going to survey, really, from this lecture over the next, uh, the next two after it, the first three lectures, we're going, going to be surveying uh, Reformed authors or Protestant authors on the law and the gospel and how these things develop into covenant theology. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Preaching and Teaching, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CBTS is a confessional Reformed Baptist seminary which provides affordable online theological education to help the church in its calling to train faithful men for the gospel ministry. To learn more, visit cbtseminary.org.